Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Frog Snacks Podcast. It is episode 178, and it is I, Snacks, with me as always, is Frog. Hello, everybody. Um, we What's are, up? What's up? We are coming to you uh, live from uh, sunny Florida, USA, or at least I am. Uh, so if uh, if the uh, ambient environment sounds different, it's because um, because I'm I'm uh, I'm out of town. So, but today we have a discussion that I think everybody has probably been having internally for a very long time, and and kind of feeds into. Um, I I, I want to say it feeds into a lot of discussions that have to do with like general like existential issues with gaming in general like gaming as an adult gaming on the go gaming with all this other stuff right all these other factors kind of play into you know this discussion and, and this discussion is game length right mm-hmm. so game length is important because our perception of it it's it's one it's highly individualized right but it, but it's also a uh, this this constant this constantly shifting and this constantly overarching discussion about games because, you know, you you are trying to remain competitive, reasonable, and then also, you know, try and adequately pay homage and, and you don't want to dumb down a product and, and uh, you know, but and now we have, you know, other concerns about, you know, uh, working conditions for the people who, who make the games. So... I think a lot of I think game length it really is at the crux of a lot of current issues in gaming, um, for from developer side, from consumer side, uh, everybody. So um, I guess this is going to be like a, a pretty freewheeling discussion. But um, there was something that was the uh, that was sort of the catalyst for this discussion, and I, I can't quite remember what it was. Do you? Uh, no, but either way, as you laid out pretty well, we, we decided on having this discussion a while back, but, uh, either way, it's, it's very clear that, as you said, this is, this is a top of mind topic for everybody because I, I guess this is a good place to start, right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about game length right now, we're talking about value, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about game length is for single-player games anyway, and even to a certain extent for multiplayer, is uh, one of the quickest ways that consumers think about, well, what is the value I'm going to get out of this product that I'm plopping down money for? So that's where it becomes a really, really tricky topic, and I think one that makes it worth exploring some, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, let's think about like when we were growing up, right? And I, I wonder how this is going to change when we think about today's kids. But when we were coming up and, you know, you, you saw on the back of the box take part in this epic 100-hour RPG experience. Yeah. You were like, oh, shit. <laughs> this is what I need in my life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to put down my money for this game and I'm going to be playing this forever. This is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a few things going on, right? So, first thing is that back in the day, you didn't have those 100 hour games as like a, um, a common thing. They came around every couple years, really. Because for the most part, one, you didn't really have the technology to be putting together something that could be even remotely interesting for 100 hours. Mm-hmm. And if you did, it would cost a lot of money, right? Right. So you really didn't have games of that crazy-ass length back in the day. Not often. So when you did, it was a big deal to those of us who are like middle school, high school, college, people who had a, a, a sizable amount of time on their hands to sink into a hundred hour plus experience, right? Mm-hmm. And then again, you get into the value proposition. Okay, well, this game, I'm going to put down, you know, 
55 or whatever dollars for this game. And I'm going to be done with it more or less in eight hours. Meanwhile, I could put the same $55 down for this big-ass RPG, and I'll be playing it for the next eight months. No-brainer, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least back then, that was kind of like the only thing most people, I think, were thinking about. But the times have shifted. We talk about this all the time, how much things have changed. Things have changed so dramatically now. Yeah. Uh, so if we we can talk about the other kinds of games and how they affect this too, but for one thing, you can start with the fact that today there are far more hundred hour games. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it seems to me that the indie part, one of the, the byproducts of the indie revolution is that they have more or less killed off the idea of like that triple a eight hour game. Like, I'll never forget, shout out, uh, another shout-out to our friend Dingus, right? Uh, when Mi- Mirror's Edge 1 came out, which I do recall, you may recall too, he went and bought the same night as, I believe it was, which World of Warcraft expansion did this? It was, it was Wrath of the Lich King. Uh, le- legendary Dingus moment was uh, he stood in line with all of us trying to get the Wrath of the Lich King, phys- the physical edition of the Wrath of the Lich King expansion, right? Uh, which I believe was yep. 2008 uh, or 2009, and that sounds right to me. And uh, we're we're at the we're at the mall, and there it's the middle of the night, and there's like a hundreds of people there, right, I'm trying to get the physical copy at midnight of Wrath of the Lich King, and we finally get up to the counter. I co- I get my copy. All of our buddies get their copies, and Dingus gets up last, and he goes. Yo, are you selling that Mirror's Edge? And they were like, yep. nah, you got to get it tomorrow. And he was like, oh, shit, worth a shot. And, like, he must have looked like the craziest person in that line. Like, people like people were, people were probably like, oh, wow, all these people are lining up to buy a game at midnight. They must be crazy. And they were like, no, actually, the crazy one is one who stood all that time trying to get a game that's technically out the same day but isn't being sold and they won't give it to him. And it was just like, it was just a classic moment. Like it was just uh, like, talk about esoteric, you know, like the guy that I, yeah. really, I really got to give it to him. But yeah, Mirror's Edge, um, which I can talk about another time. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a game that he was uh, weirdly hyped for. Um, but it's a short game. It is a short game. Exactly. It's a, that game is about a six to eight, maybe, hour game. Mm-hmm. So now, mind you, you can replay it and you can do like time attack, but the core experience is a six to eight hour thing and you're done. Mm-hmm. So I will never forget that A, he did that, you know, stunt, which sidebar was entirely as a middle finger to all of World of Warcraft yeah. because he was, he was at peak World of Warcraft salt at the time. Yeah. So. He did this thing mainly, partly because he was excited for the game, but also because it was an opportunity to give a, a F you to all the WoW fans. Yeah. That's our friend Dingus. But anyway, uh, but I do recall he was still mad because he ended up <laughs> he ended up playing the game the next day, finishing it the next day, mm-hmm. and being like, wait, that's it? And <laughs> needless to say, as his roommate at the time, I cackled laughing loud and long. Listen to this. Uh, Wrath of the Lich King, uh, November 13th, 2008. So almost exactly 10 years ago. Um, Holy crap. And Mirror's Edge. Uh, no, it says here November 11th, 2008. Um, but maybe this was like a like a same weekend type of thing. Like maybe November 11th, 2008 was like a Friday. And they were going to do the midnight release for Revelation, even though it had like a maybe maybe it had like a later download date. I don't know. Two thousand eight was a long time ago, but yeah, almost exactly ten years ago was this night. So this is already already a very um, a, a timely discussion for us to be having. Yeah. So isn't that nice? Yeah. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah. So I was basically saying. That was a moment for me. That was one of the first times where I really, really thought about this whole value proposition. You know, you pay $60 and you're done in eight hours. But it was a great game. Mm -hmm. 
So there's that, there's that big debate that's been going on pretty much since like the 360 era of, era of okay, well, what's more important that I have a eight hour experience that's awesome or a 65 hour experience that has peaks and valleys, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and what's more, what's a better value proposition. I think that largely comes down to the individual, but, yeah. uh, it would appear that the indie revolution's main accomplishment has been to firmly occupy the space of well put together six to eight hour games. There's plenty of indie games that can go on for way, 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 way longer, but a lot of like single player stuff definitely fits into that six to eight hour range and they are priced in, you know, something like the 15, anywhere to like 35, $40 category. Right. Right. And that has left the big guys to say, all right, well, we now have to justify us, our ask of $60 plus, really, but mm-hmm. $60 as a baseline for our games. So now you, you look around and pretty much any anybody who's bothered to do a large-scale single-player game in 2018, you had better believe it's going to be something that they expect people to be dealing with for the next six to eight months. Yeah, you know like everything is something our experiences now, right? And 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 it as it should be. So like, um, I just got um, I just got uh, Forza Horizon, right? I've been playing a lot of Forza Horizon Four. I think it's like so good, even though I'm really not like a Forza person. But um, they they give they, I they huh. I greatly enjoyed three, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so four is so much fun, and and it's and it's very clearly like telling you right from the beginning because the 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 like ma- uh, the quote unquote main story only takes about seven hours, and it r- r- what it really is is like an elongated tutorial, and also like the game showing itself off to you, and right once that ends, it's basically like assaulting you with things to do. And it's basically telling you, you're going to be playing this game until kingdom fucking come. You are never going to stop playing this game. If if, if you will, you will sooner tire of this game than the game tires of you. Uh, there's, there's, I, I very much. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you, but I was going to say, I really want to point, stop you there and say, that's probably the best way you can describe the triple A mindset right now. Yeah. They want you to tire the game before the game is done with you. Yeah. Sorry. So continue. I just wanted to call that out. No, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much what's going on. And, and you see this a lot, you know, like there, there are smarter ways to do this than others. And I think we're, I, I think uh, the triple A developers are pretty much on the same page. It was like, okay, we'll, we'll do it this way. And there's, there's one way to do it. You know, there's the, uh, there's your, you know, uh, I guess there's three ways to do it, right? There's, um, there's the, the, like the breath of the wild version where it's, it doesn't tell you that there's a lot to do, but you soon figure out that there is like an infinite amount of things to do. Um, like you mm-hmm. get, like you start collecting Korok seeds and you're like, I wonder how many there are. And they're like 999 bitch get going. And you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then there's the, you know, then there's like the, um, then there's like the Forza version, which is like, Hey, welcome to Forza. And then they just like open, they fire hose you, you know? Um, like as soon as you start the game, they're like, okay, we're not going to bother you with all this like story nonsense and this like art nonsense. Like we built this big, beautiful world go and never, never stop. And, uh, we're going to cripple you with choice essentially. And then the third is like, sort of like the, I guess like the, the, the Witcher three horizon zero dawn, which is like a mixture of both where it's very story driven. And then little by little, you know, they'll, they will present more and more for you to do. I guess you could call that like the GTA model, but you know, nowadays it's a little bit more refined with, uh, and, and more like, uh, traditional, I guess, RPGs have, picked up on it as well. So yeah, that's sort of the triple A mentality plays out in different ways, but ultimately it's, it's, um, you know, just, just, just too, too much for you to ever realistically do. Um, but satisfying enough 
for the completionist to, to really be like, okay, I'm going to put two or 300 hours into this thing and, and do all of it. And I can be one of the like elite few who's done that. Um, so that's, that's essentially the response. And, and I, and I think it's been successful thus far, right. Um, given, uh, you know, it, not really, I guess it's been successful for their, their aim and their goal. Uh, we're now finding out that mm-hmm. this requires, um, a little, like almost an unreasonable of, um, amount of man hours. And we will probably have a discussion about that at some point in the future. Uh, but right. you know, video game journalists and Twitter are doing a lot of that uncovering for us right now. So you can look into the sort of the, you know, how problematic this can become, uh, when left unchecked, but this is at least the model that's been followed for the last couple of years. And it's been, it's been successful. And then the, uh, this is for, this is for a game that you want to, um, have a justified $6 price tag for, right? And then in the indie space, I think that we've got, and I wrote a blog post about this a really long time ago, back when I used to write blog posts, but it was, um, it was about essentially like the, the fragmentation of pricing where, you know, there's, there's a a pretty much an, uh, an unspoken understood, um, you know, agreed upon price scale based on how much content your game delivers and, you really, you know, you really don't, especially especially in 2018, you really don't see developers, publishers running afoul of this too much. You know, I think indie developers have a pretty good idea of what they should be charging for their game. There are, every once in a while, I'll come across one where I'm like, they should have charged me more for this. Like, Hollow Knight is not a $15 game. Hollow Knight, Hollow Knight's a 20, <clears throat> Hollow Knight is a twenty-five or a thirty-dollar game. I think they undersold themselves. Um, you know, some games like, you know, I, I mean, I would even go as far as to argue that like some of the big, you know, uh, Paradox or Obsidian games that are going for like forty-five could probably get away with being sold for full price um, because there is that much to do in them. Um, you know, uh, you know, even games like. Or you know what? To be perfectly honest with you, even games like Frostpunk, which I have nothing but good good things to say about Frostpunk, right? It's so 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 good. Right. But given the amount of content in the game, twenty five might have been a little much. You know, I think nineteen ninety nine would have been like a more appropriate price point. But you know, I'm I I'm not saying that like it wasn't worth it. I'm saying because I loved the game, and again, I have nothing but good things to say about it. But I think that. You know, there's there's a pre, there's a there's there's really like a plus or minus five dollar thing with a few exceptions as to how much you're going to sell the game versus how much actual content is in it. Not replayability, just content. Right, um, just content. You know, because you can you can you can redo. But they had a whole bunch of different scenarios and stuff in in Frostpunk and and. Uh, but yeah, I think Hollow Knight was a little was a little undersold. I think like the pillar series is probably undersold um, coming from a place of bias, but even, even objectively the amount of content, the, the amount of content, how long it takes to beat one of the game, how long it takes to figure out the mechanics and then the replayability on top of that. I think they probably could have charged a little bit more, but generally I think we've seen a really good adherence to this scale. I think people really know what their game is worth in the indie sphere. And I think that that's, um, I think that's a really good thing. You, cause you, cause you can pretty much say like, Oh, I think this game is worth the the increments of five things for, you know, this weird, like numerological aesthetic that we have where we like love, uh, like multiples of five and 10 and then like nothing else. Um, but you could really, but you could really say like, Oh yeah, we made this game and I think it's probably worth 2250 and people would probably be like, Oh, that's weird. But, Okay, and then they would buy it, and they would be like, "Yeah, that game was probably worth between twenty and twenty-five dollars." <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I have three responses to what you're saying. Sure. The first and most important response is that when you said, you know, uh, not content, not, re- not replayability, just content, mm-hmm. I was instantly reminded of Man's Not Hot. 
<laughs> no ketchup, just sauce. <laughs> I love man. So that was the most important. Is it the greatest thing it's ever? The greatest. Thing uh, ever. So that was the most important revelation that was given to me. No, but the other two were uh, one that. I found it interesting that we kind of immediately leapt to the assumption of of the, I guess, the correctness of the the model that says, okay, it is indeed appropriate that we are pricing our games based on the content we're in. You know, not replayability, just content. Mm-hmm. So I want to come back to that in a second. But the final one I was going to say is that to your point about, like, for example, Hollow Knight could have they could have charged me more the problem that they run into and this game pricing is a whole other discussion really but uh the problem they run into is that before all the game journals hopped on it and were singing its praises from the rooftops nobody knew what it was and their unknown studio this is their first effort right Mm -hmm. so it's and, and we know that the gaming public is extremely price elastic for those people who are not econ nerds, and I'm not either, but this particular concept is slaps me in the face so much, I have to keep it in mind. Uh, price elasticity, mainly saying that uh, we're very sensitive to price. The higher the price, the more people get skittish. The lower the price, literally. Yeah. Literally, the lower the price, people will fling money at it just <laughs> because it's low price. Yeah. How many people, including myself have steam libraries of god knows what because things were two dollars two dollars fuck it sure (laughs) you almost don't even care what the game is it was two dollars right we're all guilty of it so we're all guilty of it so because the gaming market is so price elastic i'm sure that they said yeah it is better for us to over deliver at our price point then underliver because if you underdeliver, you'll be raked over the hot coals, mm-hmm. especially on like Steam reviews, and especially being an unknown developer and an unknown entity. You know, you're not going to have the leeway of any of the big guys or any of the at least more experienced indie devs, right? Mm-hmm. So I can if they do a follow up to Hollow Knight, I would imagine it's going to come out at a higher price point because now that oh shit, the Hollow Knight guys did something okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's also part of it's kind of like this weird intersection of where the whole game length discussion meets. Well, how are we going to price this thing? But I want to come back to the whole idea of, you know, I, I just kind of want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, are we as the gaming public correct to to have fallen so firmly on the side of we should be pricing games and we should be critiquing developers based on how much content is in the game and what the hour count is going to be per, you know, dollar we paid. What do you think? uh, We shouldn't be critiquing the games on that. No. Uh, I I don't think that critique should be... um, I don't think that critique should extend beyond, um, you know artistic merit, um, and then all of the other things that are associated with that. I think that price and, uh, I mean, okay, I will, I, I think length goes into that somewhat, but not price versus length. I don't think that you can, I, I think that price needs to be taken completely out of like journalistic critique. Totally. Um, I think that ultimately price is too, um, I, it, it, it's, it's too, uh, it's too personal, right? Like you can say, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you, the game was, you know, uh, the game was like, it, you know, it, it left a little bit to be desired in this regard. It, it was, you know, a little too short. It didn't have this or that. Uh, especially when you consider that it cost $40, right? I think that that immediately invalidates it almost. Like, you know, people like you or me are going to make that assessment for themselves because, you know, 
no, do, I, I don't think that it's fair for any, especially if you're actually a journalist and you're a reviewer and you're saying, you know, uh, you know, given the price point, uh, it should have this or this because the price might not matter to some people. Um, you know, you can see, you, and, and you shouldn't say, well, it wasn't that good, but it was $2, you know, because $2 <laughs> still might be not an acceptable amount of money to spend for a game that you're not going to do to some, you know, to, to some people, you know, it, it, it's, it's, that's for the player to decide, you know, they say it, it, you, you should say in your review, this game is, this is what, if you're looking for this, you're going to get this. Uh, if you're looking, if you're looking for this, this might not be the game for you. Um, it took about this long to beat. Um, I went the completionist route and took about this long to beat. Uh, and then you can look at the price and, you know, individually sort of quantify whether or not that takes into it, whether that, whether or not that makes sense given how, uh, intrigued you were from a review. I don't think that any reviewer should dissuade anybody based on price for what is essentially an experience, right? Um, I'm not really sure if that's if that's appropriate. So, well, two things to this. One being that funny that you say it shouldn't really factor in because it really does already. Um, because reviewers will often say, you know, we're expected to pay blah, blah, blah for this, but you're getting, typically though, I'll say it usually only seems to come up with AAA. So mm-hmm. they, they are, they seem to be much more willing to consider, uh, the price that would, that people are being asked to pay for a AAA game as opposed to, you know, whatever indie game, especially I guess because indie games are even more available at multiple price points, even the same title, right? You can find it all over the place, right? Um, but the other thing I was saying is that I wasn't so much talking about game journalists as the public at large, right? The We as all the people that purchase video games have collectively said with our dollars and with our mouths, we are looking for a essentially dollars per hour, right? That's how we're kind of looking at the games we purchase and play. How much are you giving me per dollar I spend on your product? And that has been critiqued by a lot of, like that model of thinking has been critiqued. And I think it definitely is deserving of some measure of critique. That's what I'm saying. Is it really so clear that, oh yeah, this is of course how we should be judging games on the kind of, um, again, as the public, on this kind of dollars per hour of gameplay model. You know what I mean? For, so from my thought, I would say, why well, I understand the immediate temptation to leap to that line of thinking, and I, again, I'm certainly not, in, uh, not completely innocent of, of thinking that way at times myself, I do think it's true. The people who critique that line of thinking are correct to say that it really does overlook a lot of things. Like, for example, how much a game is padded out to reach those, um, you know, those those higher higher counts. We always complained back in the day. This is another kind of like early two thousands thing. The games that got padded out with fetch quests. Mm-hmm. Remember those days? Yep. I mean, fetch quests are very much still a thing, but there was definitely a period of time where people were trying to beef up their hour count by like, all right, well, hey, let's uh, have a couple of fetch quests. You'll have to cross the world six times. And, <laughs> oh, what do you know? You got another four hours of gameplay out of it. Woo! You know? Yeah. So, I, in general, I get the impulse to be like, okay, well, here's how much, uh, how many, you know, dollars per hour of gameplay I, I had to put into this product. Uh, but I do think it's at least worth some measure of reflection. I mean, really, this is like a settled discussion because like we said at the top of the show, AAA has already gone over to, we're going to be doing 
100 hour plus games across the board period so this is pretty much a settled debate but Mm -hmm. i was just saying it is worth at least considering the fact that this is like a debate that was over before it was started you know what i mean like before we even got to really have like a broad conversation as the public about it it pretty much went away because the people who were really tight about games like let's say mirror's edge uh very much won the day and were heard loud and clear yeah you know uh but i guess at this point this is kind of an academic exercise so i'll move on to the next point which is what do we think like what to you is perfect game length with all my single player right now so sure okay what to you is like ideal you know it's it's tough because um I, it, it really it really depends on a lot of things. I, I don't know if there's an ideal game length. I don't I don't know if I could say 40 hours and then that's just true for every game I play, right? I think right. that games sort of fall into three categories for me. Um mm-hmm. and they, it's not three equal parts, right? It's it's just three different categories, but you know you, you've got your one category of like your forever games, sort of. Um, right now, my forever games are are sort of like Monster Hunter and Rocket League, where it doesn't matter how, you know, I will just revisit these games like ad infinitum, and it just will sort of be like game length kind of doesn't matter because I consider them to be like as corny as this sounds, but like I consider them to be like large parts of my life, right? Uh, my gaming right. life at least, you know, where I'm just like, okay, well, uh, I got this game, this game, this game, and I kind of want to play any of them. I'm just going to play Rocket League or like, and it doesn't matter what my hour count is on Rocket League or, or Monster Hunter. It, it, you know, I, and I would suggest you, uh, not look at my hour counts for those games because it's embarrassing, <laughs> but you know, it's just like, it doesn't matter. Like they're always, they're always there and you know, they're, they're on their multi-platform and they're portable and they're just sort of like, you know, it's, it's my version. They're like my version of candy crush. Like I just whip it out when I've got some free time. Um, then I've got, you know, the games that I want to sink my teeth into want kind of like longer experiences. And I think that there is a, there is a reasonable hour count for that. And I think it's, no more than 50, whatever that might be. Um, I think like if I'm, if I'm like, okay, I'm going to play, you know, a JRPG from a couple years ago that I missed. I'm going to play, you know, some, some like big AAA title, um, something like that. I think that if it takes me, um, if it takes me like 50 hours to, either beat it or get tired of it, then I, I did good. Um, I think that like I played, um, I played final fantasy 12 for the first time ever, uh, back in January. It was the first game that I beat in, in the year of our Lord 2018. Right. And it was, it was too long. It, It was, it was probably a solid 55 hours and there were, it definitely felt like, and this is the Zodiac Age, right? So this is the PS4 remaster Zodiac Age. Like it had a fast forward button and I was still took me 55 hours. (laughs) And I was like, I, you know, I, I didn't do too much off the beaten path. And I still felt like this felt padded to me. Like there were, they had me revisit a couple of areas and I was like, maybe this is like, I mean, this is 2000 and, six. So this is definitely in that time where they're like, Oh, okay. Like we gotta, we gotta pad this game a little bit. And they had you, they had me revisit some areas and you know, it was just kind of like, it felt cumbersome at times. So I thought, you know, there were things I liked and things I didn't like about final fantasy 12. And I think I, I spent more time talking about in a previous episode, but, uh, I did feel like it was needlessly stretched out. I did feel like it was longer than it needed to be. Um, I think 
Horizon Zero Dawn was probably like 45 to 50 hours. And, and I, I loved every minute of it. It, it felt like it, I felt, it felt like the, the pace of the story was really good. I never felt like I, um, needed to like get on with it. Everything that I did that was optional, I did f- for like purely just because I was enjoying exploring the area. Um, Breath of the Wild probably like took me about 50 hours. Um, and I could have easily spent more and I probably should have. And I plan on, you know, getting it for the switch. Uh, I initially played it, played it for the Wii U, but I was like, um, I will eventually get it for the switch and, and kind of like enjoy the world a little more. But I said the same thing. I was like, Oh, let me like breed horses for a little bit. You know, this'll be cool. Let me like, <laughs> Let me like right. re, let me like rename this horse. Like this is this is fun. I uh, enjoy doing this like entirely inconsequential part of the world. You know, I, I I walked across like areas just to see what would happen. You know, tried to do puzzles right, um, and I still felt like I left a lot. Uh, I, I still feel like there were so many stones to to turn over. Right. Um, and then, and then for smaller games, um, I don't want to say the shorter the better, but sub ten is is awesome. Sub ten is like what I'm shooting for. Like the stuff that I'm playing in between the bigger games, I'm looking for sub ten right. most of the time. Uh, there are a few exceptions uh, this year. Um, Frostpunk, I, I think I was expecting a sub-10 game, and I put almost 20 hours into it, and I could have easily replayed it a bunch of times, um, but it was it was worth it because I liked it so much. Um, Hollow Knight, I, nobody told me how big Hollow Knight was, um, but again, it was very, very good, so I saw it all the way through. Um, but yeah, I, and and so for that, that's like shorter the better. And, and then I, I I will say you know we'll we'll talk about it probably towards the end of the year. But uh, I'm playing Octopath Traveler now, and it's it's definitely going to run over fifty hours. And I can already tell like okay, it's it's um it, it, I think this is longer than I than I would have liked. Um, it's probably going to be a sixty hour game. And I'll see it through because I like it, but it's it's too long. So you talking about this really had me thinking about this whole idea now of a game that is too long, right? Mm-hmm. And I always feel bad talking, saying, well, maybe not always. If, if it's like I said, something that's like clearly, clearly you padded your stats, yeah. you know, <laughs> like this is a shooter. Yeah. You know, if you padded your stats with some fetch quests or some other random menial bullshit just to get to a higher higher account that you can tote on social media or whatever, then I'm like, your shit was too long. Stop the bullshit. Right. Mm -hmm. But the the games in my mind, like, for example, and I I hate to even say this, but like Persona 5, a game that I adore from here to the end of the earth, Mm -hmm. as I've said multiple times on the show. Love that game to death. One of my favorite, I think it's fair to say, top five all time for me. Mm-hmm. And, but I would be remiss if I did not say, yeah, it's a little bit too long. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit's uh, an understatement. But yeah, I, 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 I forgot to mention Persona 5, probably because I liked it so much. But yeah, it was too damn long. Right. I don't want, I don't want to critique it because it's not, and the, the reason is, it's not, too long for the most part because it's like has bullshit uh it really is just like okay this is too much like you could have the last like 20 percent of the game could have been condensed and would still have been satisfying and you know interesting right yes. yeah so because people were talking i think i finished that game especially because i was playing part of it on easy mode i think i finished in like 115 First of all, I don't know anybody that finished that game under a hundred, which is already like whoa. Okay, I do, I do, and I think that they're lying to me. They have to be lying. Either that, or they like looked every single last thing up and like sped basically did like a ghetto speed run. 
<laughs> yeah, somebody told me that they beat it in 93 hours, and I, I was like, uh, next There's time... There's no fucking way. They, I, I, it's a, 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 a basically, like, um, one of our mutual friends told me, like, yeah, he beat it in 93 hours, and I was like, next time I see him, he's going to get a talking to, because there's no <laughs> way. I'm going to, like, I'm going to, like, Dang. hack and, I'm going to, like, hack into his, his PSN and see if he actually got the trophy, and I'm, like, for beating the game, and, like, actually see if, like, it took him that long, because I, I, I kind of don't believe it. I would love to see it, and actually, now that I think about it, I also need to look and see like what the speed run times are for Persona Five. I mean, I'm sure if you just I'm hold right X now. and skip, I'm hold X right and skip everything, mm-hmm. I'm sure people can get a pretty. But I cannot imagine that a speed because even if you take all the story and dialogue out, mm-hmm. you still have a lot of dungeon content. So I can't imagine a speed run of that game would be less than like six, seven hours, and that is like to me wild. So uh, one of my favorite so, websites that I've been meaning to shout out on this episode is uh, howlongtobeat.com. Um, How Long mm-hmm. to Beat it just sort of takes like user entrance and, and like finds the mean for them for three categories, uh, main story, main plus extra, and completionist. Um, this is uh, – Again, this is not; these are not speedrunners. These are just people who played it and submitted their their times, and and they've got uh, a pretty impressive library here. Um, according to this, Persona Five main story. Again, this is this is user submitted uh, finish times. Just the main story for Persona Five is uh, is listed at ninety six. Um, main plus extra is one hundred and eleven. And completionist is 167, um, and then the speed run record for Persona Five is drum roll, please. Uh, 17 hours and five minutes. That's for a speed run is hella long. But that makes sense given the length of that game. So that that should tell people something right there. That is one. I can't believe how low that is. But also, you're right. That is like the longest speed run of probably anything on this whole on on like the whole record. Oh my goodness! I wonder what the longest speed run is. Yeah, because that's that's basically a day. Yeah, (laughs) that's a day. Seventeen hours and five minutes. to speed run the game, to speed run Persona Five, you basically need a day. <laughs> Will not probably be at uh, Awesome Games Done Quick anytime soon. Let's put it that way. Uh, or if it is, it'll be like one of those in the background events. Yeah. But the point being that again, I hate to use P Five as a poster child for this, but it is a good example of a game where the game is stuffed with amazing content. But some of it is slightly less amazing than the rest of it. And given that there's already so much of the amazing content, I could have done without the slightly less than amazing content. Which is a crazy... And that speaks to where we are right now in this crazy time period where we can split hairs that finely. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, And that really is why I talk about how what you said is so great. Where you said the objective now from development seems to be for the the player to tire of the game before they are actually have exact exhausted all of the content. Yeah, this is uh, this is fun. I guess uh, the longest speed run, and I almost don't believe this, but I guess the longest speed run that's like recorded is a one hundred percent speed run of uh, Baton Kaidos. Um, and it's, uh, 341 hours. That's, what? The, that's the current record, but I feel like somebody could either, I feel like that's either wrong or somebody could beat that easily. I'm not sure. First of all, Kytos, I do not recall being that long a game. I mean, I haven't finished it because I guess the side story folks. So I had young frog as a up and coming gamer only had his GameCube Cause he, you know, 
was young and Hello, ladies and gents, it's Easy Escape, and welcome to the top. No oh, shit, sorry, I clicked on the video, the bait and Kaidos oh, thing, and it was it was fine. Yeah. So yeah, continue your story. Well, say that's a side thing. I was like, who the hell is that? Anyway, uh, so as a young up and coming gamer, I was playing Bot and Kaitos, which I was excited for because it was super pretty, and the GameCube did not have many RPGs, as was par for the course in Nintendo gaming at the time. Uh, I got a pretty good way through this game, getting up to disc two. And then I promptly got bodied because this too, if I recall, opens with a boss battle. And it was then that I learned that the deck of cards that I had, because this is, of course, one of those notorious card games, mm-hmm. the deck of cards I had were trash. And so I was completely unable to progress. And as far as I knew, I could not go back. So I had to stop playing the game. The end. So... Yeah, I don't know what the deal is because uh, I'm looking at uh, how long to beat. Let's see. Let's see what how long to beat says. Baton, it's B A T, right? Yeah, how long? Yeah, B B A T E N. B A T E N. Uh, yeah, that's definitely wrong because it says it says here that the main story takes 54 and a half hours, and completionist is 133. So I don't know where that figure came from, um, but yeah. Baton Kaidos is actually kind of cool. I liked Baton Kaidos. Yeah, it was, it was a fun little romp, even with its outrageously horrible voice acting. Um, it, it was a it was a fun time, and it was legitimately very pretty. It was one of the last of those pre-rendered background games, mm. and because it was GameCube era, they were able to do really, really pretty pre-rendered backgrounds, so the game looks stunning. But anyway, uh, to answer my own question about what do I think is ideal game length, I don't think I'm far off of you, because I would also say I, I tend more to divide it by genre. Okay. So for an RPG, whether it's uh, Western or Japanese, I would say ideal is, as you said, probably in the neighborhood of 50. Um. For something like, but then it gets a little harder, right? Because then I think about things like platformers. Platformers tend to be in the 20-hour range. But I like platformers, so I'd like to actually see more of that. So I would like to see a platform game that was closer to 50 hours, right? Mm -hmm. But you almost never see that, which I don't quite understand why. But I guess there must be so many more development resources, I would imagine, because I guess RPGs, you kind of set up systems and the systems deliver the the level of gameplay, but you really have to design every single task that a person is doing in a platformer, so maybe that's why you don't get the crazy hour counts. Um, Similar thing for, you know, character action games, The Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, whatever. Usually you can expect them to be in the neighborhood of at the high end, about 20 hours. Uh, but same thing. I love those games. I would like to see more of it. So yeah. I would like to see those games probably, maybe not 50, but probably closer to like 30 to 35. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I suppose another thing I'm thinking about, and, and this is where even my own answer to this question is going to evolve, I want to find, is that we now have new approaches to the game length question, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the poster child for this is Super Mario Odyssey. I think about this all the time. What Odyssey does, you'll recall, is that it completely front loads the actual campaign. So yeah. this they basically accelerated what Nintendo's kind of done since Mario 64. So like Mario 64... You can beat the game with only a little over half the stars that are in the game. Right. And then you just can you can find the rest if you like. Uh, Mario Odyssey, they really front load it because there's something like almost eight hundred moons that putting aside the ones you buy. Something like around eight hundred moons in that game. But you only need, I think, what, two to two fifty to actually finish it? So you can finish the main storyline of that game in like 10 hours flat. It's very short. Yeah, it says... But then... Yeah. Then you are set free to romp 
and by design, because there's a lot of stuff that you straight up can't see until you beat the game. And then you go back through and romp around. Yeah. So there's a huge disparity between what the, what the reported completionist uh, hours are and the main story hours for these games. So for Odyssey, uh, main story is uh, about 13 hours and completionist is 60, right? Um, right. Same thing with uh, with Galaxy. Main story is reported at 15, uh, completionist at 43, um, and then yep. let me find some other ones. Uh, Galaxy 2 is pretty much the same thing. Um, so yeah, there's... Uh, what about 64? Uh, 64 is uh, 13 and a half to beat and uh, 24 for completionist. So not as big of a disparity, but like you can see how it's growing over time. Right. Yeah, but you see, those numbers all sound right to me. Yeah, uh, based on what I know about all of those games, and and that's illustrating my point. What they've done, so basically, what Nintendo's doing, and I I forgot some another game that I played recently kind of did the same thing, but I can't recall it right now. But what essentially they're doing is they're taking a different approach, which is to say, okay, we're trying to square a circle here. We have the problem that in the game industry at large. The problem they have is that the vast majority of people do not finish video games, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which is, a from the game company perspective, a problem because then you can't hook somebody for your franchise or you're a lot less likely to hook somebody if they didn't finish the game because that either means that they were bored or uh, you know the game was not, strictly speaking, compelling enough to get all the way through or... You're going to get the people who say, oh, man, I liked the game, but I'm not going to buy the sequel because I didn't finish the first one. So I should go back and finish the first and then they never do. So all all of that, no matter which way you slice it, can add up to lost sales for um, the game company. Not to mention if you're an artist or somebody that worked on the game at, the, at these companies, you want people to fucking see what you spent all your time doing, right? Mm-hmm. So... I think what Nintendo's trying to do is to say, okay, so you have that tension, but you also have people screaming for longer and longer games. So what do you do? I think the Odyssey, and I'm surprised this really wasn't talked about more, but I think Odyssey represented a pretty good solution, which is to say, okay, well, you'll get to say that you quote-unquote beat the game pretty quickly. In fact, probably almost in one sitting. If you're, if you're that excited about it, right? Yeah. You'll be able to say, you finished the game. But then, no pressure, go back and explore as little or as much of the world we've made for you as you want. Yeah. I think that's a great compromise, and I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of that come, up, come across in the next few years. Um, yeah. Because I, mean- I think it really does square the circle, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like I said with... Uh- with like Forza Horizon, right? It's it's basically like uh, there really is no beating the game at all. It's just like, hey, here's the whole game. Uh, go, uh, sort of at your leisure, <laughs> right? Or, you know, it's, there's there's, but they can get away with it because as a racing game, there's no story really. So with games that have a story, it's like, yeah, that's basically like the Mario equivalent of like, okay, let's give you like a satisfying, reasonably length story, but, you know, basically shove that on like the the front end and then have the rest of it, you know, sort of like at your disposal once you get through this story part. Um, and then I guess there's one other one that I want to, I want to run past you. Cause I, I don't know of any other ones that, that truly did this in the way that in the way that uh, this developer did, and I actually don't know the developer off the top of my head, although I'm going to look it up right now, but uh, the Banner Saga trilogy, right? Um, I want to bring up the Banner Saga trilogy uh, because they did something that's like pretty interesting, right? Um, Stoic Studio. Yeah, I guess I, I, I guess they, this is probably the only thing that they did. Um, Stoic yeah, yeah, it has to be. Because I want to say that I want to say the Banner Saga. I think they're like X Bioware and Obsidian guys, yep. but I don't X, recall. X Bioware, yeah. Uh, immediately after, um, uh, immediate, immediately after Tor, 
uh, the old Republic, a uh, bunch of bunch <clears> of guys <throat> left and started doing Banner Saga using uh, Kickstarter funding. So the I and and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the correct me if I'm wrong, but the um, the initial pull for the Kickstarter, the the initial like um, yeah, I guess I guess like point of it was that it was going to be a trilogy. So what they did was they were like, you know, we don't want to crunch. We don't want to run out of money, but we want to, we think that the way to do this is to deliver you this game that when it's all put together, probably is 40 hours or more, um, in three installments. So what you can do is pay $20 for the first part of the installment. And if you like it, you can buy the second one. And that way, you know, you're not spending a lot of money. Um, if you, you know, if you liked the first one, we've basically got a guaranteed sale for the second one and then the third one. Um, and we didn't go into like this crazy crunch. We didn't like waste a ton of resources. Um, it's cause it was just, you know, a third of the, of the total story. So, Right. Banner Saga 3 just came out. I uh, I played the first two, and I, I plan on playing the third. Um, I was actually just telling Frog before, sorry, I might, I might actually, that might actually be my inaugural um, Discord uh, storefront purchase, is uh, Banner Saga 3. And um, so, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about that? Do you think that this is not uh, viable on a broader scale, or, or do you think that, like, other studios can can duplicate this type of uh what what, what i imagine to be actually, a successful uh su- successful setup i'm actually kind of surprised it has not been attempted more um because i feel like the episode because there was a remember back like 2011 2012 people were talking about episodic model as the future right mm-hmm. and you aside from banner saga and pretty much telltale and well, we see what happened to Telltale. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the episodic model really did not seem to take off very much, and I'm kind of curious as to why. No, and the and especially in this in this model where we're not where we're talking about like shorter, cheaper games equaling up to like a full sized game that you kind of just like take in in like courses. It's like a three course meal. Like I remember like Xenosaga was supposed to be like a six part series and each one was supposed to be like an 80 hour long epic. Right. And they ended up only making three. Um, and you know, a lot of people didn't like the second one and you know, the, it it wasn't really like, um, it was a little too, it, it was like semi anthological so that it wasn't this continuity, but like Banner Saga did this great thing where like, Banner Saga 2 ended on this major cliffhanger and you're like, gotta, gotta play three. It takes off and it, it takes place immediately where two leaves off. So it really is episodic in like the, the, like the most literal sense of the term. And, and you don't have to commit to a lot of money. They don't have to commit to a lot of time all at once. And, you know, so they did this whole thing over the course of however many years when in actuality they might've been like, okay, instead of delivering this game to you, um, in three years, charging you $60 for it and putting our developers through, through like the grinder to get it out in this unrealistic time that we've, that we've set for ourselves, this unrealistic deadline that we've set for ourselves. What we're going to do is work on it at a more reasonable pace and issue it to you in, in volume. You know, I think that that's, I I think it's worked really well for them and I would definitely like subscribe to other developers, especially smaller developers who like really want to deliver a a triple A sized title to you provided it's not open world because then there's no way you would be able to to do that. I don't think, but maybe there is. There could be. Um, It'd probably just be a thing like, okay, we know what the whole thing is supposed to look like, but we're only going to be delivering sections of it sure. as needed. And yeah. so it could almost be, I'd imagine, cause I've thought about that too. Like how could you do like an open world game that kind of has 
episodes, but it could essentially end up being like Sega lock-on technology where you need to have the data from the first game to play the second and so on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But um, that's all I had. So I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. No, that was it. I think the, the Banner Saga uh, question was sort of, uh, or the Banner, the Banner Saga s- style episodic releases um, was sort of the last point that I wanted to make. Yeah, I, um, I hope people take a harder look at these kind of things in the future. But as with everything we've seen so far, the current moment we're in is allowing for like so much experimentation and and for people to try different things, and all of them could potentially work. You know, it's just a matter of what the audience is, and that's I think a really good thing. So yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I'm sure we'll have this conversation again. Uh, when when there's been yet more changes in the industry, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. That those were my closing thoughts, exactly for the most part. So, um, like as always, if you have uh, questions, concerns, comments, um, we missed anything. We we said something you really liked. Let us know. We're on the internet uh, at Frog Snacks on Twitter at Frog Snacks Podcast on Instagram. We've got our website frogsnacks.net, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe to the show there, and we will talk to you all fine people uh, next week. Peace out. Take care, everybody.